Do you remember what it was like to wait as a little kid? Everything took forever. It, it seemed like Christmas would never come. Like you'd never be allowed to do anything until you grew up and growing up would never happen. And then when you had to do something boring, I mean, time seemed to slow down even more. Make the waiting at the doctor's office or, or at your parents' office or, or make the school day seem like it would go on forever. To a child, time is like a mystical snail slow crawling across the plane of existence, never going quickly enough, keeping you from everything that's good in life, making you suffer through what you hate most at its painfully plodding pace. I remember what this was like through my own children now, what, watching them have to wait on a regular basis. Last week, my, my wife, Kathy, uh, she made the mistake of, of telling our two-year-old Margo in the morning that later that afternoon, we'd get to see some of her friends. And so for the rest of the day, Margo, every five to 10 minutes, would, would come to one of us and say, am I gonna see my friends now? Are my friends coming? I'm gonna see this friend and that friend and this friend and that friend. Kids live in the moment. And they're unable to, to put off what they want right now. The younger the child, the harder it is to conceive of a world, a reality, a time beyond this moment. As we age and mature, we become less anchored to the moment. We can look to the future. We can make plans, think past this day, Imagine a, a hereafter beyond right now. And that allows us to endure through inconvenience, through hardship, through suffering. And that ability to, to think forward lets us persevere through present trouble. In fact, you can't be a mature human being without being able to wait, without that ability the kids aren't the only ones who struggle to live beyond the moment. All of us do in one way or another. It may not be the, the boredom of the school day or, or anticipating your birthday, but there are times when you feel your, your, your inability or your ability to persevere is stretched to the limit, stretched almost beyond breaking past our capacity. You feel like a failure and, and you can't shake the shame. You're alone or afraid and you feel you have no one to turn to. You've been hurt and the anger and bitterness has slowly overshadowed your entire soul. You're in your situation. You see no end to it. No end to the suffering and sorrow, and, it, and it's completely all-encompassing. Your soul cries out like a child waiting for the end. Are we there yet? When will we get there? How long? 
That question, how long, happens four times at the beginning of Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is a prayer of lament. Lament is actually one of the predominant forms of prayer in the Bible. It's as if God knew. It's as if God knew that there would be times when the darkness is too much for us, when the night is overwhelming, when when our soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. It's as if God knew that we would all face times of darkness, and he gave us an entire genre of biblical prayer for just those times. Christians should know how to lament. Lament is how we acknowledge the reality of sadness, suffering, and sin in our lives and in our world. And one thing that I think Psalm 13 teaches us is that lament is an act of faith. Lament is an act of faith. But before we go on into that idea, I think it's important for us to pause and acknowledge that we have to teach on the idea of lament because we don't lament very much. I mean, have you ever done a workout that's maybe a little different than normal, that works out muscles that you forgot you have, and the next day you wonder what happened because it feels like you got hit by a truck, like, I don't know, behind your knees or under your rib cage? The older I get, the more common that experience is for me. I think that lament is a little bit like that for us spiritually. It's something we should know how to do as disciples of the Lord Jesus. But those muscles have atrophied in the body of Christ. We don't lament, and we should ask first, why not? Why don't we lament? I think one reason might be our our American activism. As a nation, we tend to favor a a can-do spirit. We like to tackle problems, take the bull by the horns, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. In biblical stories of lamentation, people tend to, to rip their clothes. They put dust on their heads. They sit and weep and wail aloud. That's not action to us. That's more like weakness. It's like throwing yourself a pity party. Lament is a deeply countercultural idea. Another reason we don't lament might be a kind of cynicism that creeps in from the world around us. I mean, we hear public figures say things out loud in the media, but then we all suspect that behind the scenes they're saying something completely different. As millions of people in our nation are out of work during the pandemic, billionaires have only increased their riches. The deck seems stacked in our world today. And overt displays of emotion tend not to be honest expressions, but they they often are calculated acts of manipulation. We don't lament because that that whole idea of lamentation is is implausible to us. We're we're cynical of the idea. But do you know why I don't lament? It's not really those reasons. I don't lament because of fear. 
I'm afraid. I'm afraid to really put myself out there emotionally in that way. I'm afraid to to really let my whole self, body and soul, emotions and intellect, be devoted to acknowledging the reality of my sadness, the reality of suffering and sin that I've gone through, committed, or had committed against me. Because what if? What if I pray David's prayer in in verses 1 and 2 where he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? What if I pray that prayer and the answer is silence? Nothing. What if I let myself feel everything I'm going through? Become overwhelmed by the hurt and pain and loss that I've experienced, the sadness and suffering and sin of this life, and then God does nothing. What if he doesn't respond at all? What if he doesn't meet me? What if he doesn't come to the rescue? Honestly, I've been hurt a lot in the past. I've been through periods of of real deep sadness. I've suffered some. I've been sinned against. But, But lamentation has almost always been off the table for me. Rather than lament, I I self-protect. I draw lines. I create boundaries. I make sure that I do what I can so that I can't be hurt again. But that is a dangerous game to play. C.S. Lewis writes this in his book, The Four Loves. He says, That there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. We don't lament because of our activism, our cynicism, and our fear. But not lamenting and not letting ourselves go through a process of of weeping 
and coming out on the other side so we can love again and even more. Not lamenting is far more dangerous to our souls. Lament is not a sign of weakness or a lack of resilience. Psalm 13 helps us to understand the God-given reality that lament is an act of faith. See, when he wrote this song, David was in the midst of emotional and and spiritual darkness. He was in a a pitch-black dark night of the soul. He's forgotten, abandoned, alone, and defeated. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? He feels forgotten by God. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? He feels abandoned by God. He says, how long will I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow all the day? He feels alone, all by himself in his sadness. He asks, how long will my enemies rejoice over me? He feels defeated by those who hate him. Have you been there? I have. I felt every one of those things in a darkness so thick you could reach out and grab it. A spiritual darkness more real, more solid than anything else in the visible world. And in the midst of that, Do you know what the last thing I wanted to do was? The last thing I wanted to do in the midst of that kind of spiritual darkness was pray. I didn't want to talk to God. God had forgotten me. I I, I didn't want to speak to him. He was was hiding from me. Why, Why would I want to talk to somebody who's hiding? In my loneliness, I would far rather have spoken to myself and and, and done my own interior monologue than, than, than reach out to God in prayer. I'd rather crawl under a rock and accept my defeats rather than acknowledge my failures or face defeat out in the open. But lament is an act of faith. Looking at the reality of sadness, suffering, and sin, acknowledging that they're real, that they're not going anywhere, and that you're incapable of fixing them, facing that reality takes trust. I have to believe that that God is there even when I don't feel Him. I have to trust that He's going to hear me even when it doesn't seem like He's going to respond. I have to have faith that he gives a damn, that he's listening, that he'll hear me when I call. Do you have faith? Do you believe that God says who he, that God is who he says he is in the Bible? Do you believe what, what we read today in our call to worship, that God's steadfast love reaches to the heavens and his faithfulness to the clouds? If you lack faith right now, be honest with yourself. That isn't a a moral failing so much it's a, a fact worth facing. Maybe you don't have faith right now or you're lacking in faith because you're just going through a dark time. I've been there. You're not alone. I'm here for you. 
And there are so many other brothers and sisters in our church family who will love you and walk with you through the darkness. If you lack faith, you can lean on ours. Part of being the church together is carrying each other's burdens, supporting one another, walking with one another. If you need someone to walk with you until you get to the other side, we want to be that people for you, that, that friendship, that fellowship, that place of care and family to help you get from where you are to where God's leading. Maybe you're in a place where you have faith and you don't feel that sense of darkness right now. If that's where you are, praise God. Because, because out of that blessing, this may be a time that God is calling you to walk alongside someone else who's going through a dark time, especially in, in a pandemic when, when we're all isolated and alone. Maybe right now you have strong shoulders that you can let other people lean on. Will you let them? You can provide that to someone else. You can be the love of Christ in someone's life right now. And in that act of sacrificial love, of showing up in someone's life, you, you might you know, give love that you'll one day need down the road and receive that same love from someone you care for today. Part and parcel of what it is to be the church is to, to give when, when we have and to receive when we need and to be in this virtuous cycle of giving and receiving, of, of mutually edifying love. Maybe you're here listening, watching, and you don't have faith because you, you don't know God or, or you're not sure what you believe about Him. If that's you, I'm glad that you're, that you're here, that you're listening, that you're watching. And I want you to know that I prayed specifically for you today. I pray that God will bring you here and let you hear this message. And I want you to know that you are the answer to my prayer. And that encourages me and makes me rejoice. I want you to know that, that God is not an idea to be proven. He's not a, a theory or a formula to be worked out. I'm not going to try and prove that God exists to you right now. He's not an idea to prove. He's a person to love. He's a person to enjoy. He's a person to know and be known by. And I pray that, that if you are in darkness right now, that you'd reach out, that I or someone else in our church family would have the chance to know you, to know what's happening in your life, so that we can love you with the love of Christ and help you move from the first two verses of this psalm into verses 3 through 6, which have a much more hopeful tenor to them. In verse 3, David asks God, to light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He asks God for light, because God is the only source of light 
in the entire universe. Light did not exist until God spoke light into existence, Scripture says. And God could speak life, light into existence. God could be the source of, of all light in the universe because 1 John 1, 5 says that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Psalm 36, verse 9 says, With you, God, is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. See, when we're mired in, in existential darkness, God is the only light we can look to. He's the only hope for the downcast, the only comfort for the brokenhearted. We can't see light without the God who is light. And the God who is light came to us to shine the light of his glorious love and wondrous grace upon all people. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says that God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we're mired in darkness, the light of God shines into our hearts through the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know, but today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the, the day when the church traditionally remembers Christ being uh, transfigured before his disciples with, with heavenly glory before he was crucified. But the day of Christ's greatest glory was not the transfiguration. No, the day of Christ's mightiest victory was the day he prayed another psalm of lament. Psalm 22, verse 1, when Jesus prayed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The light of God shines to us through Jesus Christ, because Christ suffered the darkness of the cross for the sake of his unconquerable love for you and for me. And with that, when we reflect on that, when we recognize that truth, that that is who God is, God is light, God is love for us in Christ, it leads us to say, hallelujah, praise be to God. And believe it or not, that's the reason why God brings us through the dark times. God, God overwhelms us sometimes. He, he allows us to encounter more struggle than we can handle on our own so that we can go exactly through this progression that David goes through in Psalm 13. Yes, we might feel forgotten, abandoned, alone, and defeated. But when we're in that darkness, we remember that there is only one light in this world. And when we see him shining in our hearts, in the face of Jesus Christ, we are led to rejoicing in verses 5 and 6, where David prays, 
but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Will you pray with me? Father, we praise you that when you reveal yourself, you don't reveal yourself to be a, a Pollyanna, a sunshine and rainbows kind of God. Well, we always have to be upbeat. We always have to have our act together. No, God, you reveal yourself to us in Jesus Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ suffered for us. Christ went through utter darkness for our sake. You are not a stranger to darkness. No, Lord, you've come through darkness to the other side so that Jesus Christ could be the light of the world. Please help us to believe that that is true. Please, Father, give us the faith to lament. Give us the faith to believe that you hear us when we call. Give us the faith to, to let ourselves go a little bit emotionally so that you can enter in and minister the, the, the grace and the love of Christ to our hearts as we reach out to you in faith. Help us to overcome our faithlessness, Father. Teach us to practice biblical laments in a way that honors you and in a way that builds us up so that we can follow the Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray.